everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, I am Pastor John Owens. I get to serve as the pastor, senior pastor here, lead pastor, really the only pastor on staff uh, of our church plant here at City of Lights, and uh, we're super excited to have you. I'm always excited to see family, um, many of you, especially the funny thing about summertime is, uh, you know, people just magically disappear and reappear, and it's like a, a Christmas present every Sunday. You're like, oh, you're here. It's so good to see you. Uh, it's been a while. And, uh, you know, technically, it's good to see uh, Dom and Nicole this morning hanging here from Ohio. You know, you have been here actually more than some of our other members who live here, and so I just appreciate you coming visiting us this summertime. And, and also, uh, those who may be here for the first time. Uh, oh, I see you, Kelly. What's up? What's up? Whoa, day. Uh, you know, whenever the Crowder family comes, like our numbers are really great because that's like an additional 15 people, um, including like, that's why we love homeschool families because usually they have like five or six kids, although our city kids volunteers aren't such a fan of that, but whatever, God bless them. Um, But yes, we welcome you this morning and, you know, uh, we're kicking off a new series today called We Are the Church. And... uh, it's important for us to understand that anytime we come into a conversation about this topic, that nobody comes in with a clean slate. All of us have a billion different opinions and perspectives and experiences when it comes to the church. Some of you in here, maybe you grew up in the church, you got saved like I did when you were a kid, and you, you say, you know, I got, I got born into a pew, and I've been around church, and I loved it. I loved all of the church plays and the musicals and Salty the Singing Songs book and, and, and all of the sketches and the skits that we did to DC Talk songs or whatever, newsboys who have been around like forever. Like I'm convinced that newsboys found that the, the time-freezing machine that Dick, Dick uh, Clark had at one point, and they will never die. Newsboys will be around forever. Um, and they are actually coming back. Like, they're, like, assembling the team. Again, I'm like, you guys are, like, Avengers, like, 15. <laughs> they keep assembling and reassembling. One day they may disassemble. Anyway, beyond that, you grew up, and that was your experience, and you love the church, and you, and you don't walk around with a bunch of church hurt. That's not everybody's testimony. Some of you in here, maybe you grew up, and, and you never really connected with the person of Jesus in the church, and the church was really a bunch of rules and, and religious uh, things that you did or you didn't do, and you felt shame and condemnation. As soon as you could get out, you were like, I'm out, peace, deuces, I don't want anything to do with this. Some of you, maybe you never have ever been in a church, except for funerals and weddings, if even that, and most of what you've experienced or seen when it comes to the church has been through SNL or movies or media or Fox News. And so you come in with a very interesting and maybe cynical perspective of the church itself. And we're here this morning and I'm here today and we are coming to God's word because regardless of the perspectives and the opinions and the thoughts and the baggage that we bring in about the church, there are some very specific truths that we have to grapple with if we're actually going to approach it and understand the way God views the church. And so I'm just going to start us off. These aren't even my main points, but this is what I want to present to us so that we can frame the rest of this talk this morning appropriately. Number one is the church is the family of God. 
okay? The church is not some far off distant organization like the, the Illuminati. Like the church is not the man. The church is not this like construct that is far off. The church is made up of a bunch of people. If you are a son and daughter of God, you are the church. You are the church. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. It doesn't matter. The reality is that as long until Jesus returns, the church, it doesn't matter what church you go to. If you go to a little church, a house church, a big church, a mega church, a church that has a fog machine, a church that thinks the fog machine is the devil, it doesn't matter what church you go to, it will be led by and filled with a bunch of recovering addicts and racists and pornographers and and haters and broken people because that's what we are. Do y'all hear me this morning? I just want us to understand this. Because if you think the church is jacked up, it's probably because you're jacked up. (laughs) If it were perfect and you showed up, we're not perfect anymore. Why? Because there's not a perfect one here. That's why we come, because we're desperate for Jesus. And so we kind of got to come to grips with that. It's a family of God. It's made up of imperfect people. But there's a very, 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 very important thing for us to embrace. Because I know nowadays it's kind of a popular thing, even among Christian circles and on blogs and on social media, to like cast shame and throw stones and apologize for the church all the time. You know, it's like we, people are constantly trying to distance themselves as though that makes them more holy. And you have to understand this. God loves his church. Amen. He loves his church, and he's never going to give up on his church. He's not going to jump on the bandwagon and go, yeah, you're right, everybody. The church sucks. Let's start with something else. That's not his plan. The church was in his heart before it was in anyone else's. The church wasn't some some organizational plot by the white man to oppress every brown-skinned person. The church was not a construct by the a superior, elite, wealthy class to control and manipulate those that were less fortunate or underprivileged. The church is God's family that he began in Genesis and that we will all join with a great family reunion in Revelation. Thank you, Dad, for that clap. Yes, amen, amen, amen. God loves his church. And so if we can come with that premise, now, as I say that, I want to also give this caveat. That doesn't mean we're perfect. Again, I've, ex- I've communicated that. We got brokenness. It's just like any family that you're a part of, right? You got the cousins that you like, and you got the cousins that you're like, eh, if they don't come to the family reunion, it's okay. <laughs> right? You got the aunt that you love. You got the uncle that you're like, mm, only side hugs for you, unk. <laughs> you know? It just is, Right? You know, and so we can be able to look at our differences, look at our challenges, look at our brokenness, but not give up and not lose hope. And so over the course of this series, over the course of the next three weeks, my hope is that we can come from this premise. Honestly, if, if you are an unbeliever, you do not follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're here for maybe you're curious. Maybe you're here because, you know, like you met a girl at the salsa night, and you're like, man, she's kind of fine. I think I want to come, but, oh, she said I got to go to church. Well, hey, welcome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> welcome. God uses all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? You're here. Uh, but for whatever reason you're here, my prayer is that over these next three weeks, and at least today, if you're here today, that God can help you 
wherever you are, see his vision of the church. See it beyond whatever caricatures, whatever augmented images and distortions that you've seen. And for those of us who are in it, that God would help realign our perspective and give us hope. This morning, as we unpack this, we want to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. Um, we have been just coming out of a series on the, called The Church of Philippi, looking at a letter that was written to a specific church, a community. Uh, and this week, uh, as we unpack this, we're looking in the book of Corinthians that was written to the church at Corinth. Just like every church, it was a church that had some great things going on, and it was a church that kind of had some crazy things going on. You know, uh, they, they were walking in gifts and miracles and all kinds of great demonstrations of the power of God, and there was also some sexual immorality and some things that they had to work out as well. But God had not given up on them, and he had some instruction on how we are to function. So that's what we want to read this morning. We're going to start in chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong in the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Continuing in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Not again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Lord, help us to receive your word today and let it produce a great harvest in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As a college student at Anderson University, there were lots of different kind of like traditions or habits that I kind of often contemplate, remember, and think about fondly. Um, there were not very many things in Anderson. Uh, if you've ever been to Anderson, Indiana, not a whole lot going on. There's like a main road, Scatterfield, 
And uh, one of the first things I remember doing, and I think it was kind of like going freshman week, freshman orientation, uh, a bunch of people wanted to go to this donut shop called Deluxe Donut. Anybody been to Deluxe Donut before? Ooh, ooh, thank you, thank you, AU. Hands, hands up there, thank you, Ravens. Um, but uh, Deluxe Donut, I don't know what it was, but there's something like when I got to campus and I realized like I had this epiphany that there was no curfew, I was like, oh, I'm a grown A man. I'm getting donuts at 3 a.m. Like, it didn't make any sense. It was not healthy, but you know what? I did it, and, uh, and, and it, was, it was an experience. I remember one of the things that I would do is I would go, I don't even think the Raven Haven even, or uh, the Raven's Den exists, but it was kind of like an arcade, a pool, pool spot. You could kind of waste time there, and they had this arcade game called Bust a Move. My buddy PC and I, we would go in there for hours of time, way too much time. It was honestly ridiculous. Uh, but we would just go in there, we'd play, we'd have fun. You know, I think about the times that, um, that we would sit around and there was this group of us, a group of guys that, uh, you know, sometimes it would change, but often on Sunday mornings, rather than going to church, we were hanging out in our dorm room, some of whom had been partying out the night before, and that's why we weren't at church, but we would sit around and wax all like philosophical about all the problems and the issues in the church. And what was really funny to me is that it's not that, you know, we shouldn't uh, challenge things. It's not that we shouldn't wrestle with, you know, why we believe what we believe and, and, and wrestle with these things. But what was so funny is here we were, some of us hung over, uh, with all of our thoughts and opinions and pride, speaking about the church as though we weren't actually a part of it. It's amazing to me, this week, this past week on Thursday was the kickoff of Colts training day, or uh, their, their, their training season and training camp. And, and you know, as, when I, whenever I think about football, particularly as I'm watching in the stands or watching at home on my flat screen, it's amazing how easy it is to see the gaps for the running backs or for the linebackers or to see everything when you're actually not in the game. And it's amazing to me how easy it can be for us at times to distance ourselves, particularly those that are in the church. We, we instead of being in the world and not of it, we are in the church and not of it, and we distance ourselves and we poke fun and we analyze and we critique and we comment on every problem Ignoring the fact that we actually are called to be in the game and not just watching. And I've realized that when it comes to truly embracing what it means to be in the body of Christ, being a spectator is not an option. You really, there is no such thing as experiencing biblical Christianity that's just you and Jesus. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Come on, talk back at me. It's not. From the beginning, when God created everything, and he created man, the first thing that he said wasn't good, it's like, man, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. The first thing he said wasn't good was that man would be alone. God, from the very beginning, his desire was that we would not just have relationship with him, but relationship with one another. And that one another is his family. It's his church. And rather than what happens a lot of times is because there are imperfect people in the church, 
for various reasons. We get hurt. We get offended just like anything else. And we walk out. And we allow our lives to be driven by that fear and that hurt and that rejection and that pain rather than allowing ourselves to be shaped by his love and his grace and his compassion and his empathy. And so specifically in this passage in Corinthians, I believe that there's some things that he helps us to see of what this body is supposed to look like or how we as a church are supposed to look like. First thing is that we, the church, are defined as the body of Christ. Paul is writing to the church church at Corinth under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he gives this beautiful picture of a body that has many different members and pieces and parts to it, but all functions and operates as one. We are this body, and the body has all kinds of different parts. Some of y'all may be a toenail in the body of Christ. God bless you, toenail. Sometimes it seems little and insignificant, but if any of you have had a toenail ripped off, you know that's not the case. (laughs) Have you ever injured your pinky toe? My Lord. It's like you have to learn how to walk all over again. Just something so insignificant. Sometimes you're just like, man, I just want to, I know sometimes you women, when you've tried to fit your shoe, your foot in the shoe, you're like, man, I wish I could just cut that thing off. Mabel, I know what your stilettos. You've tried. You're like, Lord, do I need it? Lord, would you remove this from me, this burden from me? It's amazing. All of us are uniquely shaped, uniquely designed, uniquely fashioned. We are the body of Christ. What does that mean? That means we look different, we're shaped different, we have different functions. And what's so funny is so often, rather than celebrate the difference and the diversity and the function, we just want to hang out. We just we want to get a whole bunch of eyeballs hanging out together. Whole bunch of earlobes hanging out. Hey, lobe. And, and the reality is, when you get, if you get a big old pile of eyeballs or a big old, what you get is a horrific horror movie or a monster. You don't get a beautiful body that God's building. And, and so... It's important, you know, the beauty, and and I don't want to get to my second point too quickly, but but, but the beauty is, is that your body would not, you would not live if everything functioned the same. You wouldn't. That's why I think a lot of times, like, our churches get out of balance and dysfunctional because rather than allowing, I am getting to my second point. My second point is that we, the church, are aligned by God. That rather than allowing God to align us and fit us and position us and put us together and assemble us as only he can, we just try to get around everybody that's like us. So if God has given you a deep spirit, a deep hunger for worship and pressing into the presence of God. You come into a church and you look at it and you're like, man, I don't feel like there's a space for me. I don't feel like there's a place for me. That I like to worship for five hours, not 15 minutes. And you leave looking for a bunch of, for the worshipy crowd and miss the fact that God might have brought you there to bring the presence. Or maybe you come in and that's what everybody's doing. Everybody's worshiping. It's just like a bunch of like saved hippies. And we're just like, oh, we're flowing in the spirit. We love the elemental songs. Fire, water, wind, earth, and heart, Jesus. And you know what they need? They need somebody to say, hey, can we start this thing on time? Can we get some organization so we actually know if there's going to be a drummer this week or not? Did anybody think about having disinfectant wipes for the children's church? 
Come on, somebody. You know? You need somebody who is a feeler and who can emote and can connect and, and, and operate out of compassion. You need people, you know what? I want somebody that has compassion, but if somebody's going to be dealing with money, I want them to have some excellence and some punctuality. I want them to understand, like, graphs and, and you know, a calculator, perhaps. You know, there's certain areas that we need each other's different personalities. And so we've got to allow God not just to define us, but to align us. See, the problem is that our culture is so driven by consumerism. So what tends to happen as we look at the church like we do a restaurant on Yelp. And so we're like, okay, let me see. This is what I'm feeling today. You know, I love a side of a cafe when I walk in. Um, now, are your city groups, are they like free market city groups? Or, and, and we kind of just look at it from a very consumerism basis. And we look at it not by what God has brought us to engage in and be a part of or how we're called to be stretched, but we're like, you know what, I'm looking for some place where I can be comfortable. I'm looking for some place where I can just sit back and not be asked to do anything. I'm just looking for some place where I can just be received and not have to change. And if we are looking for that, what we need to come to grips with is we're not looking for the church. We're looking for an idol. Because the church will always be a place where we're called to serve and not siphon. The church will always be a place where we come as we are, but we are transformed because that's why Jesus came. If we were fine the way we were, he didn't need to come, but we weren't. We were dead in our sin, and so we needed a Savior to come and by his grace transform us and give us a new heart. I'll just preach to myself if nobody else wants to be preached to this morning. We, if we are going to be a part of the church, then what that means is that his kingdom advancement will always trump our comfort. The scripture says that as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. God doesn't place you in the body to be comfortable and to stay the same. He places us because he's making us more and more like himself. That comes to my third point. We, the church, are refined as we function as one. The thing about the church is this. We are never going to be perfected. We are never going to grow and develop and deal and, and deal with the things that we need to deal with and become who we're called to be by isolating ourselves and distancing ourselves from the church. Now, I understand because people are in the church that that also means that there's not just brokenness and there's not only imperfection, but the reality is that sometimes there's just flat-out sin, an unrepentant sin at that. And I realize that there have been, unfortunately, many leaders who at some point chose rather than to allow God to be the head of the church, chose to be the head themselves and allow sin to enter the camp. I, I understand that there's at times when because of us being at various levels of brokenness and walking this out, that there are people, and I have been one of them at times, that have maybe out of insecurity or pride or religiosity or whatever, said condemning and hurtful things, or quite frankly, just sin because we like to sin. 
And because of that, there is real legitimate hurt that we can operate in and function in. And we say, I love Jesus, but I just, I don't do the church anymore. I believe that in that, there may be seasons where within the body of Christ, because God loves you, he will provide a people for you. And he will place us and he will position us, and that's part of his alignment. I believe wholeheartedly that if God, that God is not just call, calling us to be a bunch of orphans or to be a bunch of lost boys and lost girls, shaking our fist at the church. Meanwhile, walking is just disconnected parts of the body. But we have to also recognize that it isn't just the church that has issues, but our issues, God will refine them and develop them as we get around people and as we are forced in some ways to deal with those offenses and those hurts and that unforgiveness. It's amazing how we can think, I know even at times in marriage, we can disagree, we can have fights. There's times Kelly and I are firstborn, we're very strong-willed. And one thing I've learned very, very well is that we have never felt, we have never had this sense of feeling reconnected or rejuvenated by shutting each other off. Isolating each other has never helped us to work those things out. Are there times where you gotta take a breather? Yeah. You gotta catch your breath. Maybe you need to con, you know, pause to can keep that thing from coming out of your mouth. But at some point, we have to take those steps. You know, one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen was Paul George, former Pacers player, rising star, up and coming, and in a USA basketball camp scrimmage had an unbelievably horrific bone break. It was just, I, I, as a Pacers fan, I was just super high, super excited about everything, and I remember seeing this bone just snap. And you see players, like, trying to keep their food down and wincing and crying at looking at the break. And they say that whether, in whatever sport you're in, that one of the hardest parts, even after the bone heals, is psychologically having the courage and getting over the mental hump just to go out and try again. Because you have to learn how to walk all over again. But as we do, little by little, the hips begin to move with the muscles and our legs and our knees and our tendons and our foot. And even though it might be like a limp, if even that initially, over time, we will grow, gain our strength. More importantly, we'll gain our confidence and we'll learn how to walk together. Hallelujah. The scripture says that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Because we were hurt in one way, we can't say, you know what, I don't need you. I don't need this sect of the body of Christ. I, you know what, that might be good for you. I don't really need that in my life. I got hurt by that. 
On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. What does that mean? Is that God has not given us these differences, and God understands that there's going to be times where we rub against each other. He understands there's going to be time when the cartilage is worn down and you have bone-on-bone friction and we're learning how to deal with various pains. He understands that that is real. But he also put us together not to exploit each other's weaknesses, not to mock each other as we're learning how to walk again, not to look at each other and say, because you aren't perfect, I don't trust you, I can't walk with you. But by the grace of God, of God to say, you know what? I'm legitimately offended right now, but God is teaching me how to forgive. And he's teaching me how to not walk in bitterness. And he's teaching me how to extend grace. And so rather than just go and hop around and find another crew to run with as I have before, we're gonna go through this rehab together. We're going to walk through this thing together. The world, it does not like amaze or baffle the world when people that think like each other, act like each other, just a very monochromatic hang out together on a Sunday morning. I mean, that's just like a country club. That's just like, you know, we all just have same like things. What will give God glory is when people who are not just different, but even people who have offended each other, have hurt each other, can learn not to run, but to trust God, surrender to him, repent, and actually walk it out over time. (laughs) I'm telling you, like, it's it, on every level, in friendships and relationships and marriages. I think, you know, quite frankly, like, I'm so thankful and I'm excited in this day and age. Like, I celebrate anybody that's been married for longer than six months. Like, you're killing the game. If you were in L.A., you would be like an old veteran, you know, compared to the movie stars or Britney Spears or whatever. But to me, <laughs> like, my prayer is that if somebody came back here 20 years from now, that every one of you who are married would still be married. That everyone would be walking in fellowship. I know not everybody will be here because God's going to send you out. You're going to do great things. You're going to do amazing things. But that the relationships would be intact, not because we never offended each other, not because we never annoyed each other, not because we never had to repent, but because in the midst of it we trusted God and we allowed him to refine us to make us more like him. So if God has called his church we the church are called to be the body, if we the church are to be aligned with God, many parts, many members, to be aligned as one and being in that refining process, how do we do that? How do we walk that out? Well, the first thing that we have to do is we have to surrender to Christ. There's no shortcut to it. See, it is the body 
of Christ, which means he is the head. Jesus is the head of his body. And the reality is that just because all of a sudden you have a realization that the church is God's idea and that the church is the family of God, that doesn't make it any easier to walk it out, right? All of a sudden, like, that didn't magically make. I just had to give him a love tap, you know what I'm saying? He just walked by me. He's the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Just because all of a sudden we hear this word and, and we understand, okay, we are the body and God puts us together and he loves us, he's never gonna forget us, that all of a sudden doesn't make all of our blemishes disappear. The reality is there are real issues that we need to deal with in the body. As a whole and in our own body. And if you think that anyone else let alone you, will become all that God's called you to be in the body without first surrendering to the head, we are deceived. The reality is everybody in this room, apart from Jesus, have been disconnected pieces of rotting flesh. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That because of sin, we were cut off, we were disconnected from God. But in his great mercy and his love, he sent his son to live perfectly and to pay the debt and the requirement for our sin, which was death. And he paid it with his life, not only rising again victoriously, but now bridging the gap and reconnecting us for all who would repent and receive that life so that we could not only be reconnected, but recommissioned in our purpose. God hasn't just called you to get reattached and become like a mole, right? There are certain things that are kind of like growths on the body that you're like, I don't need to get that removed. They don't really serve a purpose. They're just kind of there. If you ever had a skin tag, you're just like, man, what is that? You don't want it to do anything. It doesn't have a function. God has not called you just to be connected with him and not have a function. He's connected you because you add to the body. But there's an interesting thing when there's a transplant, when there's an organ that has been placed into a body that it not originally belonged to, is there's this thing that you want the body to take to the organ and the organ to take to the body. Sometimes there's a little bit of a learning curve as everything is attaching. And so, yes, we've got to surrender to Christ, but we also have to learn how to get settled into family. Some of you have gotten so used to hopping from church community to church community it's like when you move into a place and after a while, like you're still living out of boxes. You're like, yeah, you know what? You can unpack. Like you're not going anywhere. But spiritually, it's almost like you're just waiting for that offense. You're waiting for that hurt. You're waiting for that area in your soul that, always, that you haven't quite let God deal with to be aggravated and then hopping to the next place. Some of you maybe are here for the first or second time. Some of you have been here for a little while, but... You're still not quite settled in. God has not called you just to be this gypsy, traveling from place to place, just visiting, just passing by. He wants you to find a family. For some of you, that won't be City of Lights. But I know that there's a family somewhere for you. There's a people that God's going to add you to, and, and they're going to love on you, and they're going to 
speak the blessing of God over you. And you're also going to find that things that God's placed in you are going to be released. And you're going to see it's not just a place for you to consume, but for you to come and serve and partner. Some of you, that is City of Lights. And I want to welcome you. And I want to say, don't be content with just hanging and existing. Connect. We've got the COL, the City of Lights Supper Challenge or Dinner Challenge that we've been doing for the last couple weeks. Connect with somebody. Invite them to coffee. Go to lunch. Go to dinner. Begin to build and say, you know what? I'm kind of figuring this thing out. Can we just, can I just hear your story and share mine with you? Can we pray together? Can we break bread? And then as we begin to settle, one of the things that we find is these pieces connect we surrender to God, his placement, his refining, and his, and his alignment. We start to serve. We start to walk in, in, in our calling, and we start to identify, you know, here's a need. I'm here. Rather than saying there's a need, there's something wrong, saying there's a need, I can step in. I'm a part of this family. I'm not just a visitor. I'm a son, and I'm a daughter. And God's placed me here. Because you guys really needed an elbow. <laughs> when I read this scripture and I see the way God frames this the body, I just I think about the vision that God's given us to be a people at City of Lights of different ethnicities and ages and generations, socioeconomic positions, not just defined and diverse by some of the popular definitions or delineations, but also the nuance of just personality, function, emotion, giftings. I just think, Lord, help us to imagine what we could look like if rather than just digging our heels in the sand, refusing to change, refusing to let go of our bitterness, if we would learn how to surrender together. I just try to imagine, God, what, what, what would it look like if rather than operating out of insecurity and downplaying, belittling each other's scars and textures marks and colors what if we actually allowed ourselves to celebrate each other walk together allowed him to piece us together one of the things I just think about when I think of this image is I think of the stained glass windows of some of the churches and the cathedrals where each window is comprised of many different shaped pieces of glass, broken in different ways, cut in different ways, stained in different ways. But when they were assembled and positioned in fashion by the artisan, when the light shined through it, what was seen was a beautiful story. My prayer is that we as a church with all of our different jagged edges 
broken in different ways, stained and colored in different ways. If we can surrender to God and allow him, the true artisan, to fashion us and position us and put us together, that as his light shines through us, that people would not just see some religious construct, that some people wouldn't just see this organization distant from the community, that people would see the story of not what the church is supposed to be, but who we are called to be that we are a family. We are the church. That is who we are. Let's pray. God, I'm asking that you would help us to surrender every false image of your bride every false image of the church and what it looks like or what it shouldn't look like. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to see what you see. That you would help us to not view the church as something that we're ashamed of, somebody that we know we're related to, but we don't really want people to know we're related to. But Lord, we would see the church as your beautiful body the body of Christ, a people who you've assembled together, a people who you are perfecting and refining, sanctifying, that you're making us more like you. Lord, a people who honestly, apart from you, would probably beat each other to the ground or just avoid each other altogether, but because of you are learning how to walk together and live together and breathe together. A people who are surrendered to you. God, help us to be this church. Lord, help us to be this family. Lord, a family that is not stagnant but growing, a family that is welcoming and, and connecting others and helping them be who you've called them to be, and a family that gives you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.